The two and a half million doses of Moderna vaccines donated by the U.S. arrived in Taiwan at 4.30 p.m. on Sunday. AIT Director Brent Christensen and Health Minister Chen Shizhong were on hand to personally receive the shipment that was brought in by a China Airlines flight. President Tsai delivered a speech via live stream to thank the U.S. and Japan for coming to Taiwan's aid in time of need. I recall that at the very onset of the outbreak, we had swiftly secured surgical mask supply and came rapidly to the aid of countries in pressing need for masks. Although there were divergent opinions on the matter, we believed in one thing, that a friend in need is a friend indeed. Now that we are faced with difficulty, our good friends have also given us a helping hand. This is an exemplification of that very saying. Considering that both Japan and the U.S. are still battling the outbreak within their borders, and still they were willing to assist Taiwan, for that I want to once again express my deepest gratitude. The 2.5 million doses came as a pleasant surprise for Taiwan. It was 1.75 million more than the 750,000 doses that the Biden administration had pledged. According to presidential office spokesman Xavier Chang, what brought about this threefold increase were the efforts of diplomatic personnel, the rallying by overseas Taiwanese, U.S. Congress's bipartisan support for Taiwan, and most importantly, the support of President Biden and his administration. There have been 60 post-vaccination deaths in the span of just six days across the nation, and the public is taking note. New Taipei saw its vaccination rate drop to 32 percent on June 18th, down from 52 percent between June 15th and 17th. To ensure that the remaining doses of COVID vaccines don't go to waste, both Taipei and New Taipei have lowered the age threshold for inoculation. Starting Tuesday, people 75 and above in Taipei and those 80 and above in New Taipei will be eligible for vaccination. At this vaccination site, healthcare workers inquired the elderly about their health conditions in great detail. From minor discomforts to major chronic conditions, no details were left out. The heightened vigilance was not by chance. Since June 15th, the date on which the elderly were eligible to get vaccinated, there have been more than 60 post-vaccination deaths. Whether they were a direct result of the COVID vaccine remains to be investigated. But the news was enough for many people to put off getting vaccinated. Of course I'm worried, but it's more important to be protected against COVID, so I thought it's better to respect my father's decision, and so we came here to get vaccinated. The doors at this venue in Shanchong, New Taipei, have been open since 8 o'clock in the morning, but only 30 have shown up in an hour. We asked the seniors who came whether they felt nervous, knowing many had experienced adverse effects from the vaccines. Though worried, many still felt they would rest easier knowing they're protected against COVID. But numbers don't lie. 
After the news about post-vaccination deaths came out, vaccination rates among people 85 and above dropped to 32% in New Taipei on Saturday, down from 52% between June 15th and 17th. The decrease is even more significant compared to June 18th, when the reservation rate was as high as 76%, which came from residents without a household registration in New Taipei. Taipei likewise saw a similar downward trend in the number of vaccine recipients, from more than 20,000 on the 15th to 10,000 on the 16th, 7,000 on June 17th, all the way to just 6,000 on June 19th. There's quite a difference. Last week it was around 80 to 90 percent, but today there's only around 20 to 30 percent. To ensure that the remaining doses do not go to waste, both Taipei and New Taipei have lowered their thresholds. Starting Tuesday, Taipei will allow seniors 75 and above to make vaccine reservations. And starting from Monday, New Taipei will open slots for those aged between 80 and 81. It is hoped that mass vaccination will eventually be reached as the government gradually widens the age limit to allow younger age groups to get inoculated. With the nation under level 3 COVID alert, more folks are dining at home than ever. But that also means they're more apt to go shopping for groceries. Grocery store clerks are inadvertently put in harm's way in the fight against COVID. The Ministry of Economic Affairs is now proposing that store clerks in northern Taiwan get priority in the government's administering of COVID vaccines. Stores cashiers have to face customers directly, and the Ministry of Economic Affairs is now asking the central government to give these people working at the front lines priority to get vaccinated. Once the transaction is completed, she immediately wipes the countertop with ethanol. Her hands have become chafed after numerous disinfections. A clerk like her may face upwards of 100 customers a day. There's no room to be lax. The economics ministry is now proposing that clerks working in hypermarkets, supermarkets and convenience stores north of Xinju be vaccinated first. An estimated 50,000 people will meet the requirement. It's really crowded in our store and it's really dangerous because you come in contact with a lot of people and these are people from all walks of life. With the nation still under level 3 COVID alert, people are eating at home. That means grocery stores are often filled with shoppers. Epidemic investigation has discovered that the places most visited by confirmed cases are hypermarkets and supermarkets. And this has put employees of these places on edge. Some business operators are now demanding that all store employees in the country be prioritized rather than just those in northern Taiwan. Worthy of note is the different approaches between the U.S. and the U.K. when it comes to prioritizing groups for vaccination. According to the U.S.'s Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, those working in healthcare and care home residents have the top priority. Then comes people 75 years and older, police officers and firefighters, postal workers, food factory workers and supermarket employees. In contrast, the British Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunization doesn't make occupational distinctions after the frontline medical workers. Rather, it prioritizes by age group and people's health conditions. 
the young and middle-aged groups only started to get vaccinated after the United States had an ample supply of vaccines. So for Taiwan, the key at present is the total amount of vaccines. I think this would depend on how the vaccines are being administered and the supply of the vaccine. Though the nation is still under level three alert, with vaccines arriving from overseas, those working at the front lines can now see a glimmer of hope when it comes to getting vaccinated against COVID. The number of new COVID cases hit a new low Sunday since level three alert came into effect with 107 domestic cases and two imported cases. The number of deaths, though still in double digits, had also dropped to just 11. Distribution pattern of new cases remained the same, with the highest number in New Taipei at 44, followed by Taipei City at 31 cases. With case numbers dropping, there are many are waiting with bated breath for the government to lower the COVID alert level. Central Epidemic Command Center Chief Chen Shizhong said earlier today that current discussions will follow a unified nationwide standard and that the CECC will look at how things pan out in the next two days before considering the possibility of lowering the alert level. From Facebook to YouTube and TikTok to Tinder, the Internet offers countless ways for strangers to connect and chat. This, at first, seems like technology at its best. These platforms let people who are geographically far apart establish close relationships. But for children and teens, the Internet can be a trap that's all too easy to fall into. Minors in Taiwan routinely fall prey to scams, predation, and even sexual exploitation by online strangers who aren't what they seem. Experts say that it's high time for parents to take an active role in protecting their children on the Internet. Our Sunday special report. If you want to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you can do it with just one swipe of a mobile phone. Just search for the two words, make friends, and you'll see one dating platform after another. The guy will talk about what kind of person he is and will post some photos and some details about himself. If I think he's not suitable for me, I can get rid of him with one swipe. But if I swipe on one and think it's a match, we can have a good chat. Jean is an English tutor who also works in e-commerce. When she first began using dating apps, her goal wasn't only to find a partner, but also to expand her social circle. After meeting a man online, she arranges for a date in the real world. Because my business is based in Taipei, I'll arrange to meet men there for a meal and to make friends. I don't think it's dangerous to find friends on the internet, but meeting up face-to-face -face can be dangerous. If you're looking for friends on the internet and don't know what you're looking for, and you invite them out on a date immediately, that can be dangerous. The main purpose of so-called dating apps is to help users find friends outside their social circles by means of online searches and matchmaking. Usually, dating apps will first require users to register and provide basic information about themselves, or they make use of GPS technology to match people in the same geographic area. If two people match up successfully, they can start messaging each other. When you turn on the GPS, you can see the people who are closest to you. They will all be listed. Usually those with relatively high viewing rates will be those with attractive photos of their face. 
As for how photos of bodies go, women tend to need to squeeze their cleavages and men show off their muscles in order to boost their popularity. It stands to reason that these kinds of dating apps should set a minimum age requirement of 18. But in fact, that's not always the case. We tried out the top 10 most popular dating apps today and found that only one has an age verification mechanism in place. Only one requires you to upload a photo of your ID to verify your identity. None of the other apps truly do anything to verify your age. According to a survey conducted by the Child Welfare League Foundation, 41.8% of minors would be willing to falsely claim that they meet a mobile app's age requirement. We interviewed a high school sophomore who began using dating apps in junior high. In the beginning, I just wanted to meet more people. The world inside the app was actually quite chaotic. Some people would ask you for a date straight away, or they send little hints by directly sending photos of themselves, photos of genitals or other suggestive images. For today's kids, making friends on the internet is a very casual, ordinary thing. It's also not a weird thing for them to take sexy photos of themselves or even nude ones. And once the photos go online, they could be the start of another problem. In 2020, the nth room case erupted in South Korea. It all started with revealing photos. 24-year-old Cho Jubin was found guilty of sharing sexually exploitative content in Telegram chat rooms. He's charged with luring women and girls with offers of high-paying jobs, then obtaining intimate content of at least 74 people. His victims include 16 girls, who were blackmailed into sending degrading images of themselves. These images were distributed to as many as 260,000 people over Telegram channels and groups. According to a survey conducted by Ekpat Taiwan, about 1% of teens in the six municipalities have taken nude photographs of themselves. In other words, around 9,600 teens are doing this in the six special municipalities. That's almost 10,000 people. 10,000 teenagers are taking intimate selfies of themselves. How do these intimate selfies end up falling into the hands of strangers? People who look for kids tend to use a false identity when they approach the children. They observe the child's behavior online, their messages or their posts, and then look for an angle that allows them to develop a relationship with the child. It's easy for a child to believe that they are genuine and the other person really is the very good older brother or big sister that they claim to be. One in every five children believe that if they can get on very well with others in the online world and that they've chatted with someone at least three times, they then believe the other person is not a stranger and that they can be their friend. And since they're friends, of course, they let down their guard and open their heart. After becoming their friend and gaining their trust, the child predator will start to ask them for more. They say we're in a relationship now. We've talked so many times. Next, we need to meet. Before we meet, they want something else. To put it in ugly terms, they want to inspect the goods. They say they want to see the real thing. They say photos can be doctored, and I want a video connection. Once we start a video connection, you can show me your face, figure, and even your private parts. Otherwise, how can I know that it's not a screenshot of someone else?
If the children do not fall for this, the predator has another trick. He'll tell the children to download a chat application. On this app, photos automatically disappear after an hour. The children may be skeptical, but after an hour, they really discover that the photos can't be opened after an hour. There's no way to see them. At this point, the predator might say, I've sent you my nude photos, and it's only right that you send me yours. The children don't know about screen recording functions of mobile phones. With the recording software activated, all the material sent by the children is stored in the app only for an hour, but is recorded and saved by the predator. Child predators may threaten to make personal information public on the internet. After they've scammed the child into giving them the photo, they may blackmail them. I've already got hold of your personal information. I know your name. I know the school you attend. If you don't do what I say, I'll send your photos to your classmates, your friends, the people you know. And where do these very private images of children end up? There are a lot of child porn websites and apps that use this process to collect sexual images of children. These images are actually commodities. They are valuable, and there's also a market for trading, trafficking, or exchanging these intimate photos of children. Some people use the internet to trick the children into giving them these intimate photos. They may have the online market in mind. To protect children from exploitation on the internet, Taiwan enacted the Child and Youth Sexual Exploitation Prevention Act in 2017. However, government statistics show that child exploitation has only gotten worse. Between 2017 and 2019, the manufacture of sexual materials involving minors increased by 23%. Legislators say the act must be amended. Our proposed amendment increases the jail term for dissemination, selling and broadcasting sexual content involving minors from up to three years to seven. In addition, regarding the possession of sexual imagery relating to minors, there's currently only an administrative penalty and not a criminal penalty. We want to add on a criminal penalty of a jail term up to one year. However, the law on its own won't keep children safe on the internet. The role of parents is also very important. If parents would be less hostile when it comes to their children's internet use, and if they tried to support them more, children would have another source to consult with when they're using these online platforms. I hope we can communicate and discuss with children on how they can ensure their own safety in circumstances where they are using the internet computers and mobile phones. When teaching children to use computers, we shouldn't just emphasize how to search for data or how to write code. When it comes to understanding computers, we should know there are many risks we could run into in our daily lives in using computers and the internet. We should discuss all of this together. With dating apps, you can make friends with just one swipe of your finger. Today, it's near impossible to keep children away from the internet and mobile phones. However, parents, businesses and the government have a responsibility to create an even safer environment on the internet to keep children away from harm.
Well, the weather on Sunday was still on the hot side, with gravity-driven winds coming in from the southwest. Northern and eastern Taiwan saw the mercury hit 36 degrees. However, the weather will begin to change starting tomorrow. A stationary front will bring precipitation island-wide, with the central and southern regions getting the lion's share. The Central Weather Bureau has already issued torrential rain warnings in six counties and cities. With the scorching sun hanging overhead, the weather was hot and stuffy on Sunday. This was largely the effect of catabatic winds coming in from the southwest. Northern and eastern regions experienced high temperatures with sporadic brief thunder showers. Things will start to change on Monday when the weather front approaches. Meteorology expert Peng Qiming reminded the public on social media that a stationary front will arrive on Tuesday, with heavy rains occurring Tuesday and Wednesday. The places that were flooded in the wake of the previous two fronts should be prepared for a repeat. Rain accumulation could reach as high as 200 to 300 millimeters, similar to the amounts left by the last two fronts. In the period between Tuesday and Thursday, the weather front will be above Taiwan, so the weather on the entire island will be unstable. The western half of the island especially will be affected by short spurts of heavy rainfall. Its intensity could reach that of torrential rain. Torrential rain alert had been issued for Yunlin County, Jiayi County, Jiayi City, Tainan City, Kaohsiung City and Pingdong County. The rain is not expected to relent until Friday, as the drought-affected reservoirs in central and southern Taiwan get their much-needed fill, the public is reminded to carry an umbrella when heading out.